This is Molly Hemingway of The Federalist. Join me, my husband Mark of Real Clear Investigations, Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod President Matt Harrison, and others for the 2023 Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more at issuesetc.org. Making the Case, June 16th and 17th in Chicago. Issuesetc.org. Hello! The wooden boy with the borrowed soul. While you may have eternal life, your loved ones, they do not. You never know how long you have with someone until they're gone. The boy loves you! the trailer for the movie Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio the story that has themes of life and death and becoming a real boy greetings and welcome to issues etc coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville Illinois I'm Todd Wilkin thanks for tuning us in we'll review that movie with Pastor Ted Geese here in the first half hour of the show or so then we'll go through listener email and the issues etc comment line And Pastor David Peterson joins us to talk about pastoral sabbaticals in the last part of the program. Pastor Ted Geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He's pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. And he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Ted, welcome back. Thanks, Todd. Is it fair at all to compare this latest version of Pinocchio with kind of the classic Disney animated feature? Yes and no. I'd say it's fair because like that's the granddaddy Pinocchio that everybody has in their head, generally speaking, when they go and see Pinocchio-related things or if they catch them on streaming platforms, etc. Even Disney had a live-action one with Tom Hanks in it recently. I did not see it because it looked horrible. That Listen, I've watched horrible movies before. I might watch it at some point, but it didn't seem very interesting to me. So, I mean, I think it's fair. You can definitely make that connection. Uh, One thing I think, too, is I I saw this interview on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon with Del Toro, and he was talking about how it was maybe the second or third film that he ever watched with his mother, which was the 1940 Disney Pinocchio animated feature. And he said that that animated movie from then uh, was the only movie that captured how horrible childhood felt. He said that he was enchanted by it and that this guy who made the film really gets me. That's what he said about it. So even Del Toro himself knows that he's making something in the shadow of that Disney animated feature from 1940. The, The movie itself, this movie, is a stop action animation. So it's a different kind of animation. It took like, I don't know, 14 years or something to make this movie 10 solid years of of work to do it. It's the longest stop-action animated 
film of all time, I guess, at this point. It's also animation. It's not quite exactly the same kind of animation, but I think that that also might be a reason why you could make that connection or make that comparison. I think maybe the thing, though, is that this film kind of maybe delves maybe a little more into the original book version of like the the original story version of Pinocchio, which was from the 1800s, so 1883. Uh, It's an Italian book by this Carlo Collodi. So there's going to be ways that it's different. And then Gilmore del Toro himself is putting his own fingerprints on that. And we're going to talk about that because there's a lot of things in this film that are not going to be anything like the uh, Disney animated feature from 1940. So I'm curious about this highly labor-intensive way of animating a film when he could achieve almost precisely the same effect with a CGI version that could be tweaked to look like it was stop-motion animation. That's a labor of love for whoever was, <laughs> whoever was doing this. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the directors. There's two directors. I mean, this is definitely his project in, in many ways. But this uh, Mark uh, Gustafson was another director on the project with him. And because it took so long, and like in the intervening years, Del Toro has made other films like of his own. Uh, so he couldn't dedicate all of his time to making uh, this particular film. Like we, we've talked about his movie Nightmare Alley was 2021. We've talked about The Shape of Water from 2017. And we talked about Pacific Rim from 2013. So in those intervening years, he made these other films and he's produced a bunch of projects. He can't do all of that on his own. So this wasn't the only thing he was working on, but certainly it did take a lot of people to do it. Probably less people than it would take to do a CGI actually, because, you know, when you watch a film that has lots of CGI in it or an animated film, like the Toy Story movies or things like that, you get to the end and you see that list of the people in the credits that are involved in making a film. And it's just prodigious. There's like so many people involved. So probably less people, but over a longer period of time, there's a tactile nature to stop action animation that you don't have to like fight to try to achieve in CGI because it's all right there. And I would recommend anybody who's like watched the film and is interested in like how they did it. If you're looking at it, it's available on Netflix. There's a little how they made the film behind-the-scenes thing that's very interesting. And they show all of the tricks of the trade that they're doing to make this very remarkable animation come to life. What is the story that's being told? Well, it's a little different than what you're going to get in that Disney 1940s version of Pinocchio. I mean, like, there's a central thing is the same, is that you have Geppetto, and he's a carpenter, and he makes this marionette that doesn't have strings. And Pinocchio is enchanted, as it were, and wants to be a real boy. And he's like, the son Geppetto doesn't have kind of a deal. So that stuff, and there's the cricket, Jiminy Cricket. Like in this case, it's Sebastian J. Cricket, voiced by Ewan McGregor. That's all there. You're going to get your big whale, you know, your giant fish part of it. You're going to have like the going off with the circus kind of part. Not exactly the same. It's not Pleasure Island. You don't have them turning into donkeys. There's going to be some spoilers as we talk about this. you know. But there's going to be a bunch of things that are fairly similar. One thing that is very different with this is this kind of backstory as to 
why it is that Geppetto makes the marionette in the first place. And what you get is this kind of backstory at the beginning where it's him and his son, Carlos, and it's set during World War II, kind of like leading up to World War II and then in World War II. And he, his son dies in a bombing raid. Like airplanes come over, drop bombs in the town, and the son dies. And in grief, then, he makes this marionette. That's kind of like the background. And there, there's more to that, and we'll kind of dig into some of that stuff as we go. But that's an additional element to it that isn't in that Disney one. They don't show that stuff in the Disney one. And it's all kind of part and parcel of his fingerprints on this project. I want to get to the explicitly Christian imagery that we find in this film in a minute, but let's set the context first with the major themes that this story is dealing with. Well, I mean, you have the, the themes of death. I would say that like the, the, that Disney one is more about conscience and uh, truth-telling and things like that. Uh, you have like Pinocchio's nose growing and things like that. And, and this is in this one too, like this idea of lying in the nose growing and things like that. But it's not, uh, maybe not the main point of everything with this. The, I, I'd say the main thing is uh, dealing with death and grief is the main thing in this particular film. And Del Toro is going about it in a kind of a his own different kind of way. I think that it'll resonate with some people, but there's more to dig into there when it comes to this. Also, there is a kind of a general theme of sacrifice that occurs where the Pinocchio character learns how to sacrifice himself for the good of others, particularly for his father in a time of dire need. Talk about the explicitly religious imagery that we encounter here not just religious but christian so yeah there's and this is the tip off you're going to get explicitly religious stuff that's not christian so stuff that would fit into kind of like a pagan kind of worldview stuff and then you're also going to get on the surface of it also christian things there's some christian things that you're going to notice early on like it's set in italy during the 30s leading up to world war ii and in during world war ii so these are Italians, they're Roman Catholics, they're saying their prayers before they eat, they're making the sign of the cross, there are crosses and crucifix around. Geppetto himself is making a rather large, very beautiful looking crucifix for the local church. You come back to that over and over again through the course of the film, and there are certain very important moments that are kind of specifically revolving around that. and. He's making some connections there that are going to maybe be interesting to people. So one thing is, is that I was saying that, you know, the son, his actual son, Carlo, dies in this bombing raid during the war. He dies while they're at the church installing the crucifix. So it's at the very front of the church. And the crucifix itself is kind of damaged. Eventually, the crucifix gets repaired, but... By that point, now Geppetto has made Pinocchio. Pinocchio is there, and Pinocchio, being made of pine, looks up at the crucifix and he asks this question. He says, "He's made of wood too. Why do they like him and not me?" Because there's this incident in the church where people get freaked out by this 
talking, walking marionette without strings. And he's saying, well, they sing to him. They like him. I'm the same as him. Why don't they like me? And the answer isn't, well, let me tell you the story of Christ Jesus and what this crucifix represents, his sacrifice for us for the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of eternal life in him. Instead, what Geppetto says is, well, you know, they fear things they don't understand. That's the answer. And as you go through the course of the film, there's this um, thing that Del Toro's doing, and people need to watch carefully for this, is this connection between Pinocchio being like Jesus in a way, and the, like the story of Christ in, in a way. So one thing that happens in the bombing of the church, Jesus' arm gets busted. So when he comes back to fix it, he has to put the arm back in place on the cross and and hammer in this arm into place. And there's a point later on in the film where Pinocchio loses his arm and doesn't have his arm and then is put on a cross like as though he's being crucified in that spot. So there's definitely a connection being made and there's a kind of a deeper level and this gets into the other religious angle of it. So there are things that are ripe for the picking for Christians watching this film, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this is a film that has Christian intentions at its core. And I think that's something people need to pay attention to. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. We're talking about the movie Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. We'll talk a little bit more about some pagan images in the film next. Several issues, etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the president and vice presidents of Synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org 2023 nominations. Issuesetc.org 2023 nominations. What is mental health? The February issue of The Lutheran Witness takes up this question of mental health with contributions from the LCMS Task Force on Mental Health, which is tasked with providing resources for Lutheran church workers to better care for their own mental health and those entrusted to their care. To pick up your copy, visit cph.org witness or visit our website witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Your lifeline to the Lutheran worldview. You're listening to Issues Etc. Is your child struggling at school? Are you thinking about homeschooling? Would you like help knowing what to teach and how to teach it? The Simply Classical curriculum from Memoria Press provides an enriching step-by-step classical Christian education for students who have autism, learning or behavioral difficulties, ADHD, and more. You'll find everything you need, including daily lesson plans to guide your way. Learn more at simplyclassical.com. Use LPR23 to save on your order. Simplyclassical.com. Confessional Lutherans are invited to rent a four-bedroom, three-bathroom, Table Rock lakefront home in the Ozarks. 
Table Rock Lake is a premier lake in the heart of the Ozarks for boating, water sports, and fishing. This log cabin-style rental sleeps 12 and is 30 minutes from Branson and 20 minutes from Silver Dollar City. Learn more by calling Swanson Estates, 713-855-2681. Be sure to mention Issues Etc., 713-855-2681. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're getting a review of the movie Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio with Pastor Ted Geese. The Lutheran Witness magazine interprets the world from a Lutheran perspective. Mental health is the theme of the February issue. You can receive an annual digital and print subscription for less than $20. For more information, visit cph.org witness or call Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040, The Lutheran Witness magazine. Ted, you had mentioned some pagan images and ideas in this film. In particular, talk about the character in the classic story of the Blue Fairy. Yeah, so the Blue Fairy in this film, it's referred to as the Wood Sprite. The way that Del Toro presents the Blue Fairy isn't like this comely, you know, blonde-haired, gauzy, gounded fairy that we get from the 1940s cartoon from Disney. He presents it more like something that you're going to read about in Ezekiel or Isaiah or the Book of Revelation. So a good visual description of what the angel... like If you look at these passages, so Ezekiel 10, verse 12, and their whole body, their rims and their spokes, their wings and the wheels were full of eyes all around, the wheels that the four of them had. So this idea of eyes all over it. So he's making it look like maybe more like one of these angels. So from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2, above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And you see this motif of the six wings on this wood sprite, the blue fairy, this quote-unquote maybe angel, cherubim, seraphim kind of a thing. So you see this depicted in the stop-action animation, the wings with the eyes on the wings. And then from Revelation chapter 4, verse 6, and around the throne... On each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. So this is what these look like. So you get this wood sprite and then you get like the wood sprite sister, which is more like a a sphinx almost with a bifurcated snake tail. But again, this whole motif of all of these eyes on the wings also. And these are all voiced by Tilda Swinton, who's kind of this weird otherworldly actress actually in real life but anyway so she voices both wood sprite and the sister of the wood sprite death and death is a character in this because pinocchio keeps dying and because he's this enchanted piece of wood the spirit goes to the afterlife which is kind of like a classic greco-roman hades and he goes there and then he gets sent back into that same Pinocchio body. So he keeps coming back over and over and over again. And he has these conversations with the character of death, which is also kind of like one of these depictions. So you see there's kind of a dovetailing of biblical descriptions with kind of maybe more pagan ideas. And the wood sprite is the one who grants wishes and is the one who imbues the marionette with his spirit. So what other quasi-religious images or themes did you notice in this film? Well, I think that if 
Listeners remember, dear listener, if you remember when we were talking about Nightmare Alley from a couple years ago, at that point, I mean, if you follow the career of this Del Toro, you know that he has an interest in the occult, the supernatural. He also did the Hellboy movie. He did this movie called Pan's Labyrinth. He's done all of these movies along the way. And when we were talking about that, we talked about some of the things kind of undergirding what we were looking at. So very early on in the film, there is this thing that shows up. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, ah, that is there for a symbolic reason. And sure enough, that's the case. So what you see near the very beginning of the film is that the son, Carlo, he's looking for a pine cone because they've cut down a tree, a big pine tree to make the crucifix. And he finds this pine cone and he shows it to his father. And the father, Geppetto says, it's no good. It's not perfect. So eventually the son finds a perfect pine cone and he's going to present it to his father. So they're in the church and he lifts the pine cone up. And as he lifts it up behind the pine cone is a stained glass window and perfectly behind that pine cone is a ram's head with ram's horns. And as soon as I saw those two things together, I thought to myself, ah, there's the pine cone and there's the ram horns. So now the ram horns in a church setting, you might think of Genesis 22, Abraham and Isaac and the whole story of that. That's why it would be in a church, right? The whole story of Isaac being sacrificed and the angel stopping Abraham at the last second and behold, behind him was a ram with its horns caught in the thicket. That's why that's in the church. But the, the this pine cone is this uh, symbol of usually in the occult, it's like a symbol for the pineal gland or like the third eye. It's all about perception. And it's also connected with Dionysus this Greco-Roman god of Dionysus. And he's usually depicted with a pine cone on the end of his kind of staff that he, he's uh, carrying around. And then also Dionysus also is known by the name of Bacchus. So Bacchus is kind of like Bacchanalia is part of that. And he's always shown as on coinage, Bacchus always has horns. So here you have like at the church, right next to the crucifix, the sun is showing this pine cone lift it up to the point where it's got horns now like the combination of things and then the bombing happens the pine cone gets buried next to where the child is buried right so at the gravesite of the child and the tree grows and from that tree geppetto makes pinocchio the wood from that tree and during a big lightning storm he's cutting the tree down and he's cursing god for the death of his son and then in a drunken stupor he makes the marionette and that might all be just coincidental except at the very end of the film we come back again to that pine cone at the very 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 end of the film the last line again spoilers what happens happens and then we are gone and that would seem contradictory to all of these other things they put in the film which has this kind of Hades style afterlife, abode of the dead, because the person who says that is the cricket. So this is uh, Sebastian J. Cricket says that the film comes to an end. And then now he's in the afterlife playing cards with some of these death characters. And he's talking about, well, you know, I'm just trying to tell the story of my life or whatever. So what happens happens. And then we're gone, gone from this world, but in the afterlife of 
this Hades kind of afterlife. So yeah, there are these these things in there. Like most people are going to see a pine cone, they're not going to think of that stuff. But it, this is part of esotericism within Western civilization, going all the way back to mystery cults like the Dionysian mystery cults and the worship of Bacchus, etc. You've talked a little bit about it, but to go into a little more detail on under that theme of life and death, Pinocchio's visit to the world of the dead. Yeah, so when he goes to the world of the dead, he has conversations with the character of death, as I was saying, voiced by Tilda Swinton. And there are rules. He has to sit it out until the hourglass runs out and then he can go back. And at the very last time he does that, he wants to break the rules because he has to get back to save his father. And death tells him, okay, but if you do that, then you'll be a real boy and then you'll die a real death. So he willingly decides to do that, goes back, saves his father, and then dies. Where the fairy, the wood sprite, then grants the cricket a wish and brings him back to life. So this is how it kind of concludes. This is all grief over the death of the son, this like trying to understand how all of this works is all part of this movie. But Del Toro himself said, this isn't really a movie for children. This is art. It's for everyone. It's really for adults. Kids can watch it, but you're going to have to explain it to them. This is part of his acceptance speech because this film won Best Animated Feature at the Golden Globes. And I believe it's also nominated for Best Animated Feature for the Oscars, which are coming up. So as Christians, when we think of like death, and particularly because death, the the realm of the dead presented here, so looks like the Greco-Roman idea of Hades, I think something that a Christian watching this film might want to think about is that passage from Revelation chapter 1, when St. John says he sees ostensibly Jesus, he falls at his feet as though dead, but then Christ lays his hand, his right hand on him and says, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death in Hades. So in the Greco-Roman pagan world, they thought that everybody was already judged. Hades had the three compartments. The Asphodel Meadows, where most everybody went. Elysium, where the best of the best, like Hercules-type people went. And then Tartarus, which is where the Titans were sent. And St. Peter uses the word Tartarus when he's talking about where the uh, fallen angels have been put and the, the place that it's intended for them. So as Christians, remembering back at that point, people in the pagan world thought that they'd already received their judgment. But here Christ in the book of Revelation is shown with the keys of death in Hades, and that judgment hasn't even happened yet. So as Christians, we have a different way of looking at death and dying. And this film is kind of sneaking paganism in through the back door. And maybe it's mostly there for people who can see the hints of what he's putting in it. So it's maybe an insider's story that he's telling. It's like he's telling two stories, one on top of each other, and he's using the narrative of Pinocchio to do it. But this is kind of all baked in to this film. 
Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. We're talking about the movie Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. We'll come back to that question of whether the film is for children or not next. You can meet and hear journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, LCMS President Matt Harrison, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, and Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. Lutheran Talk. The cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his Son to live and die and rise again for us. Lutheran Music Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org. Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and lay people worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy promotes confessional Lutheran theology through conferences, scholarly exchanges, and publications like Logia, the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic Series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up for their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. lutheracademy.com. This is Pastor Donald Jordan welcoming you to Redeemer Evangelical Lutheran Church in Chico, California. We stand upon the inspired, inerrant Word of God and preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Students at Chico State and Butte College are welcome to our college group. Our divine service is at 10 and Sunday school at 9. We are located at 750 Moss Avenue and our website is RedeemerChico.org. Spiritual and Religious you're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Bethlehem Lutheran, Fairborn, Ohio. Emmaus Lutheran, Redmond, Oregon. Grace Lutheran, Auburn, Michigan. Emmanuel Lutheran, Frankentrost, Michigan. Messiah Lutheran, Seattle, Washington. Peace Lutheran, Rapid City, South Dakota. Shepherd of Peace Lutheran, Maumel, Arkansas. St. Mark Lutheran, Waco, Texas, St. Michael Lutheran, Portage, Michigan, and Zion Lutheran, Columbus, Ohio. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. on this Thursday, February the 2nd. We're talking about the movie Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio with Pastor Ted Geese. Ted, you mentioned before del Toro saying that the film's not really for children. What's your judgment there? Well, they're going to come at it from where they're at, I guess. But I think there's a danger generally, and I think more and more people are coming to this realization. There's a danger in just like allowing media 
whether it's YouTube or movies like this or whatever, to be the babysitter for your kids. Like having an active role in what your kids watch or don't watch is important as a parent or any kind of guardian. You could be a grandparent, whatever. I would say that it's not a bad idea. And I, I realize it's extra work and it takes more time, but sometimes it's best to review things before you show it to the kid. And maybe you watch it and you think to yourself, ah, this isn't for them. This kid's kind of sensitive and it's going to be too freaky or it's going to scare them or whatever. Or at the very least, you need to be aware of what's going on in it. So on IMDb, which is a website, imdb.com, you go there and there's a parent guide and it'll give you the heads up of what's in it. Now, it may not be able to tell you about pine cones and Dionysus and all the rest of that, but it's going to tell you some of the things that are in that film. And you can look at it and see what's going on. Of course, it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyways, catechize your kids and start them young. Don't wait until confirmation of baptism classes start at your church. You may as well start catechizing them from the earliest time that you can catechize them because you need to give them the heads up so that if they do sit down and watch something that you haven't had a chance to review with them or you're sitting down to watch it together, then you have a place to start from to have this conversation about what it is you just watched. I suppose these are kind of practical details, but this is certainly something that you want to be doing. And this is part and parcel why you want to do it, because some people are going to look at it and they're going to say, well, it's stop action animation, it's Pinocchio, so it's clearly it's a kid's movie. Well, the director himself says it's not really a kid's movie, and you can't just assume that because it's animation, it's for kids. God bless you, you know, parents that are taking an active role in all of this. Please continue to do that. And if you're not doing that now, please consider that when you look at movies like this as potential movies that you'd watch as a family or as that your kids would watch. What other pastoral concerns would you voice here about this film? Uh, I'll throw this in too. Like, you know, you were saying, you know, like, well, is it fair to compare it to the original the Disney cartoon from 1940. And there's some stuff in this that are that's a little different. And I think that that one is kind of connected to that too, in some ways. But this particular film is kind of connected in a line of things. So you, you have this idea of the humunculus. And the humunculus first shows up, there's a guy Paracelsus in the 16th century who talks about it. But it's an idea that goes back further than that people would be most familiar with this idea from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein from 1818. And then, of course, there's the movie version that back, back forever ago, 1931, James Whale Frankenstein movie. And this has something to do with that. There's a way in which he's kind of referencing that kind of stuff. And those ideas are, they're the Promethean kind of stories that are kind of connected to this idea of of transhumanism or what has become transhumanism. The idea that you can like imbue an artificial body with a soul or whatever. And this is in the same vein as that. And there's hints and nods that he's making these references back to things like Frankenstein, particularly like I was mentioning when the pine tree is being cut down, that there's the lightning as part of all of that. If you're a, a person who doesn't believe in an afterlife or your idea of an afterlife is not Christian, let's say, and you're trying to present something that has these other themes in it, 
that's just another element of all of this. So it's a very emotional movie at times. Like I think that uh, Jimmy Fallon said when he was talking to del toro about it that it's the kind of movie that after you've watched it you want to maybe it wasn't him somebody was saying that it's the kind of movie that after you watch it you want to call your children or your parents so it has a very emotional grounding as a film because it's dealing with death and dying and the death of a child and then eventually the death of a parent and all of this kind of stuff this is the christian pastoral advice here don't get bamboozled by the emotional underpinnings of it and try to have your dukes up. It's a really well-made, interesting film, but the art and the emotion and the narrative, that can all kind of cloud the stuff that's going on underneath the surface of the film. So keep all of that in mind. Pastor Ted Gies has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He's pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, and he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach, to art, media, and film. Ted, thanks. Thank you. It's listener email and the issues, etc. comment line right after the break. Abide with me, crown him with many crowns, hark the herald angels sing. Have you ever wondered why our beloved hymns were written? The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February is Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. This new resource includes background on 50 hymns, Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's life ministry is thousands of people sharing Christ's love and mercy and giving witness to our Lord's creation of life, His design for marriage and the family, and the God-given value of all human life from conception to natural death. Working with many partners, LCMS Life Ministries sponsors human care efforts that meet the needs of body and soul and provides resources and educational events for all ages. To learn more, email lifeministry at lcms.org and visit lcms.org life. Educating a new generation of Lutherans, you're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. The Word of God, Daily Worship, Lutheran Hymnody and Catechesis, Instruction in Phonics, Traditional Math, Literature, Grammar, History, Latin, and Strings. It's all part of our daily life here at St. Paul Lutheran School in Hamill, Illinois. St. Paul is seeking teaching candidates for the 2023-24 school year. Learn more at school at stpaulhamel.org. Consider joining the faithful faculty at the only classical Lutheran school in Greater St. Louis, school at stpaulhamill.org. 